Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Hi, everybody. This is Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy. It is. It is. It us. is Friday. <laughs> yes. Woo. Uh, you know what I want to say is that we're going to do some trivia here. And I want to say that if you are going to answer the trivia, it is best and most fabulous if you answer it within the first 72 hours, because we tend to record our episodes on Mondays or Tuesdays. And so, so, cause what happened last week, tell the people what happened last week. Well, we had, we recorded and then the day after we recorded, people answered the question. <laughs> I know. And then I was like, oh, see, oh crap, which is good. We want you to answer, but it was Thanksgiving too. So I think people weren't listening to the episode till later and then they answered the question, which I am super appreciative of. Yeah. No, I mean, we've had a lot of engagement on the Insta yes. this week. We like the Insta. And I've actually had engagement on Twitter too. I just wasn't talking about it, which is cool. Um. So do we want us to just go ahead and get into the trivia? Trivia, trivia first. Okay. So the question was um, the first... Name the first known horror film ever made. Yes. Homunculus, who I have to say, I think was one of our first subscribers on Instagram. Oh, cool. Yeah. She answered correctly. Nice. And in, in English, it translates to The House of the Devil, uh, made in 1896. I think it's La uh, Menoir du Diable. Oh, oh, I don't know about <laughs> your accent there. <laughs> the House of the Devil. Okay. 1896, George Melier. Um, <laughs> oh, another, and another I think, foreign I think she, word there. I think she, she said, <laughs> I can't believe how old this is. It's a sh- I, I, I think it's a short, it's a silent, you know, like we had. So she was the first, so she won. She won. Okay. Um, and how old is it? 1896. Oh, that's really old. It's really old. And this director did a few, but this was the first he was known for doing the first few nice films. so here's what's happening with the trivia we do trivia every week and we do it on the shrink chat show and kathy will when she announces the next trivia question she's gonna tell you where to put the answers but one thing i wanted to add was is that we are keeping track of those who participate until the end of this month and i've been keeping track of it since we started and we will keep track until the end of the year and then when the end of the year comes i will see who participated the most so every time you throw an answer down you um you know you get a little hashtag and then (laughs) then i we count them up and whoever it is is gonna get a special box of goodies from us and i've already started making it some of it's gonna have like halloween stuff in it but i've got also some special items we're actually gonna call it what's in the box yeah which is a reference to the movie seven yes you haven't seen it um yeah so but you know you guys are engaging more and we love that um because it's it's fun to know not only 
there's people out there listening, but it's really kind of cool to get to yeah. know and engage with the audience. So yeah. feel free to reach out on Instagram and those of you who have through Instagram or Twitter, or email, Facebook, or Facebook, um, you know, it's fun for us too. So, well, I mean, we it. like talking to each other, but we also need a little, you know, we like talking to others as well. Bob Von Long Dog. That's Instagram. Natalie. <laughs> Natalie. Yeah. You uh, you commented when I, so I posted Don't Be Afraid of the Dark and you had said that the original had scared you. I'm glad you said that because mm-hmm. I know you watched it, Shannon. Yep, I haven't sure wa- I haven't seen the original. Okay, I, I wrote, so we'll wait to talk about it. I wrote back to Natalie um, and I said that uh, that's how I felt about the original Black Christmas. And I yeah, told yeah, that, yeah. That's her assignment is to go watch the original one because <laughs> I did not, We'll talk about it, but yeah. I did not really find the 2010 scary or entertaining at all. So I watched both. Oh, you and, did? Yep, I sure did, because I'm insane. I don't know. You guys probably know this already because I've admitted to it, but I get into these like OCD where, well, if I'm going to watch the 1973, <laughs> I've got to watch, watch all the remakes. All four decades. <laughs> of, yeah. I do it. I can't help it. It makes me so happy. It makes me happy. So um, I watched both. So... We won't talk about it at length until you watch the original because we did promise Natalie to watch the original and then talk about it. Yeah, the the 2010 was crap. Okay. Yeah, it was with uh, Katie Holmes and Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce looked horrible in that movie. And I think if you watch the original, so I watched the original and then I watched the 2010 and I saw the differences and that was really interesting. That's so, like Black Christmas. So I look forward to talking about it with you. Mm-hmm. So let's let's try to hope that next week on the Shrink Chat we can have that conversation. How about that? Let's do it. Can you commit to it? I can commit to it. Excellent. Um. What did I do with my trivia question? I put my computer away. I don't know. Let's sing about it. Do you need to get your computer out? And we have to talk about something else while you get your shit together. Yeah. All right. Cool. So we can, this, do, we can do trivia at the end. I can find uh, it. Yes, yeah. we can. Okay. <laughs> we w- and we will now. So I watched some things. I watched um, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, I saw you were watching that. Did, how'd you like it? I liked it a lot. Yeah? It looks uh, good. I like Christian Bale. I do too. And I like Matt Damon. And this is a true story. And so I like a good true story. And I thought it was good. It was, um, you know, I don't know. I had a, uh, an old friend on Facebook sort of said that it was one of his favorite films of the year and I understand why that would be because it's a really interesting story because it's about the American automotive designer Carol Shelby and my favorite car is of course the oh, Shelby yeah. Mustang <laughs> but yeah. so I grew that's up with a, a, always good my friend's um dad my best friend's dad growing up he was always remodeling Shelby I grew up in Detroit so yeah yeah you know, everywhere no and the I mean 65 Mustang is my jam so and then the British race car driver Ken Miles who was played by Christian Bale and their their collaboration to win some races and then and their story and the Le Mans actually in France in 1966 and the story of the um, development of that car and also just sort of the corporate interference that starts to happen between them and how they get it done. So it's, it's very, it's like, it's almost like a buddy movie only it's real and 
It looks it looked fun. I remember and good that. actors. Yeah. So I would recommend watching it, um, oh. especially if you like those two actors and if you like to know a little bit about sports history. That's always good. Um, and then, like I said, I watched the two Don't Be Afraid of the Darks. <laughs> I mm. watched both of them. And then I also watched uh, <laughs> Rocket Man and Frozen 2. <laughs> okay. You really hit them up. Yeah, those are my, um, I had some screeners, as you know, I've got a lot of screeners to go through. And so I did that. I uh, finally caught up with Mandalorian. Oh, and I've, and I've watched that. Although there's like five episodes and I've, oh, good. I'm glad you're caught up because I've watched them all too. And I have, you know, baby Yoda. Oh, baby Yoda sipping his little. His little uh, broth. And his little three fingers, little gaga boo when, when, when he's messing around with the buttons. Oh, my God. Like, don't touch that. I mean. Even outside of the Yoda stuff, though, it because I think no, some, people, some people are like, oh, is that why it's doing well? No, it's like, no, 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 no. It's so good. It's mm-hmm. really good. It, it's character driven and it's. Um, it's a great there's addition. There's a lot of psychology and like, I don't know. I, th- I think it's great. It's a great addition to yeah. the Star Wars world. It's, it is. It's really and I didn't expect any less from the team, but um, I had a friend of mine say, "How did it take this long for them to realize that Baby Yoda would sell?" <laughs> I mean, and where so is the merchandise? It's everywhere. He's <laughs> yeah. just so flippant. I'm actually yeah. going to Disney on Wednesday, um, so I'll get to see Galaxy's Edge for the first time, and oh, yes. I, I may have to get myself a little bit. Oh, you totally do. Oh, yeah. Baby Yoda! But baby yeah, Yoda. it's great because it's got that lone gunfighter vibe. It's just cool. He's a cool character. It's a cool backstory. And, and Baby Yoda is actually not Yoda. He's a species of mm-hmm. where Yoda comes from. But it's it um it's just cool. It's really good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. If you're not watching it, I would definitely recommend. I mean, John Favreau is, you know. Oh, my God. And then the different the directors. Bryce Dallas Howard directed one. I mean, there's just so <laughs> many good people on this. Yeah, it's great. It's a good project. And I expect I expect good things, man. And I'm enjoying it for lots of reasons. Oh, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention was um, Rocket Man. Yeah. That is intensely psychological. Mm. That movie, have you seen it? No, but I'm obsessed with Elton. I grew up with Elton John. Okay, so, yeah. uh, so you need to watch it. Okay. Because it would be fun to talk about it together on the Shrink Chat show a little bit because mm. it is intensely psychological. It's basically, and this isn't ruining anything, but the premise is that... He's um, in rehab and and flashing back. Mm-hmm. So he's literally in rehab in a group therapy, mm-hmm. flashing back, telling the story through music and stories and telling his life story. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's really good. And I won't ruin it past that. But it's yeah. intensely psychological. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> well, he's had a, and it's Elton good. John's had a long journey. So I would imagine it's. And it's good. You know, I wasn't going to run right out and watch it. You know, um, but I was like, just the other night, I thought, well, this seems interesting. I want to watch this right now. So I did um, because I have a tendency not to really enjoy musicals. But of course, this is rock and roll music. Well, so it, yeah, I like all, all the musical, John. but yeah. it is a musical. Yeah. Um, but it's done really well. I've heard. Re- I've, and I've he's not, amazing. I the actor is amazing. Yeah, I haven't heard um, one bad thing about it. Yeah. So, so anyway, cool. there it is. I'll watch it. All right. On to you. Over to you, Bob. I wanted to bring up a topic. I started talking about it on Wednesday when we were talking about Kuklinski. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're getting into clinical stuff right now. Okay, so warning. 
I'm going to move over to that. <laughs> so those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, or maybe in recent episodes, I've mentioned that um, some of my work and background has been in evaluating and treating sex offenders, sexually violent predators, um, many of which were caught with child pornography offenses. Mm-hmm. And despite what the public, what the news does is they just categorize all sex offenders together, um, but they're actually quite different. Um, so there's, you know, contact versus non-contact offenders. I'm not going to go into all this, but I, w- I just want people to understand, and this is not justifying that one is better than the other. They're just very different. They're just different, and, you ha- and it's it's interesting to know the difference. Yes, yes. and it's interesting for this uh, per- I mean, it's it's very for important topic. for this topic. Okay. So recently, my understanding is in the, the last year in California, state of California, they're trying to change the reporting laws. I, I wanted to um, process this with you, Shannon, to okay. get what you think, because yeah. I, I feel a little challenged about this, um, just because working with sex offenders is already hard enough, and many of them are more personality disordered than actually traumatized. And uh, there is a, there is a a subculture of sex offenders who were also molested themselves and have that trauma there. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, transgenerational, but I will say the majority of them uh, are sociopathic and narcissistic and really lack a lot of empathy, but there is a, a, like a subsect. There is a subsect of, of people who get more into like, um, and you're going to get a lot of progressives that hate that I use this word. Okay. Um, sex addiction. Okay. okay? Uh, so they'll start with like quote unquote normal or average types of porn that are not sadistic mm-hmm. in nature. I mean, comparatively to a lot of the stuff that's out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like with any drug, they get bored and then they need something more and more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, and the reason why I say uh, a lot of people might disagree with me as some people refer to it as sexual compulsion and that it's not an addiction. If you guys have seen some of the things that I have seen and had to read some of the things I've had to read, I'm going to tell you guys it's a fucking addiction um, mm-hmm. and it can get really sick. And so um, the reporting laws have now changed that and they're trying to, they're kind of on the fence of whether they want to go back. The reporting laws for us as clinicians would be if anybody uh, downloaded, distributed, child pornography, um, and that you knew that this was sort of a regular thing for them, that this was a reportable offense if they were regularly engaging in watching child pornography, downloading, distributing in any way, they could be reported. Now the law has changed that any mention that they could have come across an image of child pornography is now potentially reportable. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this is a huge discrepancy Um I think what people don't understand is that also includes a 15 year old kid who gets a, a, a nude shot of a kid, his or her own age Which happens all the time, happens all the time. And then it also includes people who fall upon it because they're looking up pornography and they hit something, or they're just admitting that they might be orienting themselves that right. way and feeling challenged and have seen it. Right. Okay. So this is, this is a, and we talked about primary prevention on Wednesday, my biggest, my alarm goes off in this and I'm very conservative around protecting. I'm, I really want to protect 
victims of child pornography because once those images are out there, those people are victims forever. So I do not take this lightly. To me, it is an addiction. To me, it is a, a reportable offense. So I want to be clear about that. Yeah. But what I also want to be clear about is if we are not allowing any room for people to come in and, and say, I have a problem mm-hmm. before the problem has exacerbated. So how are we qualifying an offense? Right. I think is really my point here. This could really stop people. Yeah. From so when I was working up in San Francisco and doing this, we had a um a we had a a company I worked at the San Francisco Forensic Institute run by Charles Flint and he's brilliant in this field. And he opened up something called the Blue Rock Institute, which was for people who had not yet committed offenses, but were oriented towards that type of sexual behavior and, um, and you know, yeah, yes. Thank you. So they, um, the whole purpose of that was primary prevention. Mm -hmm. So this is basically saying if someone comes in and they admit that they've seen it or come across it or, or, have, have had access to it once or whatever that we are now reporting that. What do you, how do you feel about that? Well, a lot of things come flooding in when I hear you talk about this, because I'm wondering that uh, there's a, just several things I'm wondering. One of the things I'm wondering is what impulse did it, this come out of? In uh-huh. other words, what is the government? What are the, you know, the law? Um, what is the mental health community t- community telling the lawmakers about you know who's the advocate for this so the mental so people so here it is you have forensic clinicians and you have clinical clinicians and what the forensic clinicians are trying to say um, which clearly I support is we understand that we want to protect victims of child pornography. That is our, when you are a forensic clinician, your community is uh, your patient, not the person sitting in front of you. So our job is to protect the community. The patient is the person that we're treating to help protect the community. Our argument is because they're saying, you know, the law is saying, well, we will be able to protect more children if we are screening this early. And and the mental health professional in this article that responded back said, that's actually not true because you're actually now going to get less people who come in and talk about it and it's going to be end up being covered up more. And then we can't put those people that have impulses into programs that right. can help them. Right, if it's primary prevention. We yeah. may never be able to take an... Actually, we can't take an impulse of someone who is oriented towards pedophilia or hebophilia. We cannot remove that impulse. But what we can do is help them find reasons to control the impulse. Mm -hmm. And if the sooner we get them into these programs and they're able to figure that out, the less likely we have someone turning a non-contact offense into a contact offense. And I don't want to minimize the non-contact piece because the child is still in some ways more of a victim because they're constantly out there. But I, 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 yeah, I had a, this is where sometimes the law just doesn't really want to listen to mental health. It's the same thing with mental health and violence and what we've mm-hmm. talked about before. It's like, why are you not consulting with the research we have done? Yeah, it's interesting because I know kids uh, who, you know, uh, they happen to be boys, but I've come across a couple of boys in my work that had these impulses mm-hmm. and were acting it out in some of the ways that you described as far as like sending pictures to peers yep. of their genitals or, you know, brushing up against 
people. Now, there's a lot of mental health reasons for that kind of behavior. It does not mean you are going to become a sexual predator or a child abuser or a rapist or any of those things. That that in and of itself doesn't create a diagnosis. So I just want to throw that out there for sure. But it just so happens in the couple of people I'm thinking of, um, there were lots of other factors going on and it, 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 it was starting to look like that was maybe where that mm-hmm. behavior was going. Uh, the impulsivity, but also the obsession and the rumination on image, you know, this whole thing mm-hmm. and the impulse control uh, inability to, to control that impulse was definitely there. So I'm thinking about those kids and I'm thinking, okay, so Yes, what ends up happening is whoever receives those images reports it usually. Mm -hmm. This is what I see. And yes, the teachers or mental health professionals then have to deal with it in some way. And so what you're saying to me is that that those kids, those professionals, let's say school teacher for lack of a better um, idea, then now it's it's reportable. And so must call CPS, I guess, mm-hmm. whatever it's called in your area, CFS, whatever. CFS, yeah. Um, and re- say, you know, Joe sent a picture of his genitals to Jill and just tell that. And we've all made reports. So for those of you who haven't, you know, making a report is, is an administrative task in many ways. But there's also... Obviously, a family involved. Well, it's you know, also a kid is, involved, a person it's, involved. It's also though as simple as if you coming in as a grown ass adult, you come into my office and you say, "Yeah, I, I've come across child pornography before. I've mm-hmm. viewed it. I've seen it." Boom! Right there, then and there, you have to report. I have it. to report it. So then, what happens is we call the number with the client, let's say, mm-hmm. and report what they've just said and you could imagine how they're not ever going to say it again and they're going to and and that person might be not in any way having a predilection no not at all not Mm -hmm. at all and in fact might be coming in to talk about how they don't ever want to do that again Uh They haven't taken the pictures, they haven't downloaded, they haven't distributed, and from what they're reporting to you in this moment, it's not compulsive and they're not seeking it out, but they have. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's I mean, a very different conversation a, than if your client is coming in and you know they have a compulsion. That's right. And they are downloading and they have 3,000 pictures on their cache. Right. These are the guys that go to prison. They're also the guys that are minimizing it. See, so that's so that's where the that's where the crutches for me is that this targets this issue among others targets the fact that we have no discretion in the moment this is what the clinical opinion yeah that clinical um assessment is not valued in this in other words i don't get to assess whether or not this is a that's right and this is what the article was saying was this is a slippery slope to what other kind of behavior people come in and just talk about as saying is problematic are we then going to have to start to report Mm -hmm. and it also it just it steers people away because there are people working in this department of psychology i saw many men and i will say men because i've never treated a woman sex offender um they're very rare 
many men who did not want this. And now mine were all post-adjudicative, so they had been caught and they had gone through their sentencing. But some of them do not want this kind of curse upon them. So I just think that we, when it really comes, I guess my whole point in this is we have to be really careful because this is then now the law is getting to decide our discretion as clinicians Mm -hmm. um, when we could actually be protecting the community more Mm -hmm. by getting this person treatment and not just jumping into it being an offense. So understood. Just thought it was interesting. It's a hot topic. It is now. It's a hot potato. You can have it. (laughs) Thanks. I like potatoes. All right. Well, with that said, uh, do you have your trivia? I have it. Okay. We're going to pivot. <laughs> We're pivoting from sex offenses to to uh, horror trivia, I imagine. To Christmas horror. Christmas horror. Oh. You are going to go on to our Instagram site if you choose to answer this way. And yes, ma'am. Or again, Carrier Pigeon, Facebook, Twitter, all that, whatever. Email. Email. Mm-hmm. Um, fastest way we see it, though, guys, is Instagram honestly. So the, uh, you're going to go, I actually just recently posted, um, silent night, deadly night on Instagram. So you're going to go to that post. So the question is name the 1996 film where a killer Santa stalks a woman (laughs) he's become obsessed with. (laughs) Say it again. A 1996 film where a killer Santa stalks a woman he becomes obsessed with. Under Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, Silent Night. That's awesome. But it's um, not Silent Night, Deadly Night. No. That's I, just I was post. thinking that was a little on the nose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think? Ah. Uh, all right. Yep. Is that it? That's it. That's all we got. Bye. That's <laughs> She's all hot potato. All right. So thank you so much for listening. Um, we, I would love to thank um, our patrons on Patreon. We really appreciate it. But I also very much appreciate everyone who listens and those of you who interact with us on all the medias because that's awesome. And next week we're going to do, um, we're going to talk about the devil next door, which is a Netflix mini series that we have both seen and would like to discuss. And that is next week's show. We hope you have a brilliant weekend. This is shrink chat. My name is Shannon and I'm Kathy sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.